0: Craft Beer Radio, episode 86, August ninth, 2007.
1: Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer in the craft brewing industry. This is Jeff Bear.
0: I'm Greg Weiss. So, so you're talking like announcer, and I'm talking really fast. Is that how we're yeah, going to Yeah, I guess. Whatever works.
1: <laughs>
0: Welcome to the show this week. What are we doing this week?
1: We're doing a uh, little uh, collection of uh, various Belgians. Okay. Up. So we have a uh, Belgian strong dark ale. Nice. We have a golden ale, I believe. No, that's this. That says it's a dark ale, too. Then we have two Flanders Reds. Yummy, yummy.
0: I'm in the mood for a Flanders Red.
1: Hi, hi everybody. Welcome to 86. Hi diddly ho there. (laughs) Flanders, get it?
0: (laughs) So let's start off with the Petrus. Okay. This is the Special from the Brouwery Bavique in Belgium. A Belgian dark ale. 6.5% alcohol by volume. Brewed year-round. So they say it's an amber-colored top-fermented beer, which means it's an ale, brewed according to an old traditional recipe. There you Is go. Is that amber? That's barely amber, Yeah, it's kind of golden straw.
1: That's why, th- through the brown bottle, this beer didn't look all that dark, so when on the, the BA style for the, or the page for it, when it said strong dark ale, I was like, that's odd.
0: Well, it smells a little bit of skunk. Oh, man.
1: We got another email of someone saying, how do you guys get so many skunked beers? And I'm starting to wonder the same <laughs> thing. I'm not getting skunk on this. I'm getting more of um, uh, the phenols. Like a, hmm. I'm not smelling skunk, per se, in this one. I mean, it, it does smell a little bit off, but it's more...
0: Not now quite, the skunk's kind of gone away not quite and I'm getting some of, that, um, some of that smell that I've characterized in other ways when just going to use sort of an astringent smell for this. Uh, no, See, no...
1: No, either my nose is getting used to it, or now I'm just smelling a, a Belgian style ale. Maybe there's a little bit of funk in the
0: the the flavor here. I don't know, but yeah, now now all that's away. Now it's, it's I got a couple of phenols in the first couple whiffs, but after that it aired off. Whatever was there, it aired off. So fortunately, we didn't get a. I mean, we've gotten some skunked ale, some ales that have been like really yeah. skunked before.
1: And and also when we get these people saying we get too many skunk beers, and you know skunking should only happen when it's hit by light. I'm like, are we, you know, throwing too many different flavors and aromas in a skunk? I don't think we are, but, but I couldn't concur with your diagnosis, Doctor. Well,
0: I mean, if we had a truly skunked beer, we would know it, and it would continue to be that way for a long time. Sometimes mm-hmm. aromas can can coalesce in interesting ways and give you some smells that you may, maybe, off, but they'll eventually air out. Right. Like see, see, is. the aroma I'm tasting, I'm
1: getting off this now, and also the flavor I just tasted. Is pretty much in line with a, a Belgian
0: gold nail. Mm-hmm. Not a Belgian dark though. Not dark. No. Well, it's a little weird. It's got um, it's got a little bit of funkiness to a little bit of that um, what we called horse blanket. I think
1: it's, I think you're using that drain. way way too liberally. The horse blanket. We had another comment about horse right, blanket yeah. too. And they pretty much save horse blanket for lambics. So you got to think really okay. sour, really right. sulfury. So maybe be-
0: I am being a little bit too liberal on these things, but I mean I'm tasting uh, uh, a very earthy flavor that's not immediately something that you would consider appealing. Now it's something that is not nasty, but it's not along the same lines of say a crisp or clean flavor or a, you know a hoppy bitterness or a fruity flavor. I mean it it's really kind of a I, I mean I could only describe it really right now as a dirty flavor, a flavor that is not mingling quite right. with the rest of the beer. For the the
1: beer that I'm tasting, it uh I would say muddy muddy is the flavor. It it tastes like there's a bunch of yeast in there and it's really cloudy or muddy and the yeast really isn't that funky. It, it, it's just a Belgian yeast with a little bit of uh, tart. Uh, maybe it's the combination of the alcohol in this beer, which is at 6.5, 6.5 or 5.5. 5.5.
0: We're not quite sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I shouldn't really be tasting it that much in there.
0: It says 5.5 in the bottle. Almost mainly hit with kind of a sourness, kind of um, a very straight-up sourness. And then you're hitting with sort of a. And I say sort of a lot, too. That's one thing I'm trying to fix. A a barley-esque kind of flavor. And then I'm being hit with this... (laughs) (laughs) Barley-esque. Right. Then I'm being hit with this wall of really... this 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 muddiness that we described. uh, This sort of dark, dirty flavor underneath. That kind of expands with a little bit of bitterness as well.
1: I don't know if I would... It's one of those things I continue to have really... I don't have the vocabulary to describe how to, like a Belgian Golden Ale tastes like. I always struggle trying to describe these styles of beer.
0: I'm trying to draw on all my culinary knowledge to figure out what I can describe that tastes somewhat like this. I um, think think bitter, think uh, leafy, um, a leafy stem or something like that. Uh, it's it's tough.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure the flavors I'm tasting are from the the, malt, like a Pilsner-type malt, the the Belgian yeast. There's not going to be much hops in this style of beer. So it's not really DMS, but I don't know. There might be some candy sugar in the beer. Being a Belgian beer from Petrus, uh, we mentioned last week where the brewers are awfully secretive. We don't have much information about what's in this beer.
0: You know when you eat celery, there's kind of an aftertaste. Yeah, I think that some of that bitterness is is reminiscent, not quite the same, but somewhat reminiscent of this. Maybe also broccoli, uh, in particular the the part of broccoli you usually would shave off the mm. the hard part. Right. It just sort of is fibery and bitter.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I it's mean,
0: making it sound like this beer is horrible, and it's not. It, uh, it, it's, it's it's not one of my favorites, but it's not disgusting or anything yeah, like I mean, that. I mean, it's it, to me, it's a
1: Belgian golden ale. And while I'm woefully inadequate, inadequate in describing what I'm tasting, it tastes along long lines. I had um, the heavyweight Lunacy last night. A nice old bottle it aged brilliantly. And uh, the alcohol was really in your face and mm-hmm. it was crisp and it was right there and it was a nice sipper it was like give me a big old goblet and this tastes very similar to that without the you know the alcohol flavor to it so I mean it's just I just call this a Belgian Gold Nail, and I wish I had
0: words to, to to do better now it's coming across as more pithy than anything else it just keeps changing in my mouth maybe maybe it's not even a good day hmm well we'll see as, as the show goes on um Speaking about the show going on, there was a news story that I wanted to bring up here because we've talked before about how uh, beer will save your life and will extend it by 20 years and all that other stuff. Beer will apparently also kill you. Uh, Alcohol has been linked to bowel cancer. So one glass of wine or a pint of beer a day raises the risk by 10%. So you'll be helping your heart. Maybe helping your circulatory system and destroying your bowels. So beer's not good for us anymore. Beer huh? is no longer good for you until next week. Beer is good for parts of you, but it's not good for other parts of you. This is this is the problem with all these you know beer or anything is good for you because anything is is bad for you and if you have too much of it and certain things certain parts of your body will res- respond to certain things in different ways. Now
1: here's a nice news story you got. Here's any meat or Is it just for the title? Adult binge drinkers prefer beer. Teens prefer hard liquor.
0: Right. I didn't really read much of it, but I just figured there you go. I mean, surprise, surprise.
1: The article finishes uh, with, uh, Binge drinking is playing Russian roulette with your brain. (laughs) Isn't Russian roulette playing Russian roulette with your brain? That would be...
0: with a gun and your brain, I guess.
1: (laughs) It's still your brain. It's the first part that goes.
0: But the thing is that I, I know a lot of people who binge drink, Okay. and they don't have a one-in-six chance of killing themselves, so it's not really Russian roulette. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, I would say it's probably more <laughs> of you know one-in-one-thousand, one-in-five-thousand one chance. Right, right.
1: Chris Kennedy wants to know about having some homebrew-centric episodes. He was, uh, I think, drinking a flight of listener-submitted homebrew, plus possibly some of your own, would make for an interesting show. Sounds kind of like a multi-brew experiment, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: I would take a listen to the multi-brew experiment for that sort of thing. I think for the main show... And, and
1: I'm trying to line up the, the second multi-brew with the beers that we brewed a long time ago.
0: I think it's kind of past that point where yeah. we can do that now. So we just kind of have to say, well, that that experiment is,
1: uh, is a failed experiment. A failed
0: experiment. I... I appreciate the concept. I think the show in general is more for beers that are out there, and like we said, about the craft beer and the craft brewing industry, not necessarily the homebrew. We, we,
1: first couple episodes, we talked about you know having homebrew information as well. And then I discovered Basic Brewing Radio from James Spencer, and he does exactly what I would do for the homebrew content. So I figured, why, why duplicate efforts? He can focus on the homebrewing, and we'll just focus on the, the commercially available craft beer. And... I just like his format and his way he covers the show so much that I just don't think I could do better homebrew content. So there that's kind of why we stopped.
0: So there's there's your endorsement. If you really want to hear homebrew stuff, Basic Brewing Radio is a great resource. From the guy who doesn't listen to any podcast at all. <laughs> I'm just parroting what you want me to say. All right, all right.
1: Then guitar, then guitar Gary wrote in about your, uh, your
0: colorful... Descriptions of flavor, which I've you know I've kind of brought up those other flavors to lead into that too. Uh, he is questioning my urinal smell thing, and this is this is a hard one to quantify because I don't want it, to. It's a it's a there are many aromas you can associate with going into a nasty bathroom, right and. I don't think that I've ever had a beer that smelled quite like going into a nasty bathroom. <laughs> However, there are components to that aroma that can show up in beers, which is not necessarily that hard to imagine, especially considering that beer is a biological product and certain biological processes are similar.
1: Well, you've got to figure that beer is made by uh, yeast-eating sugar
0: and peeing alcohol, right? Right. So <laughs> um, it basically is a urinal. In in one way you can look at it that way. I mean, the alcohol is a waste product. It's it's hard for me to to say that urinal smell is a good descriptor because it's not really. It, it it has a very negative connotation. I mean, you have
1: this particular aroma that you're able to associate with that you can pull out of a beer and associate with the bathroom. Right. But it's not a very good descriptor because there's. It's probably such a minor component of the bathroom aroma that no one else is going to be able to pick out the same aroma that you're trying to describe. I
0: think that's absolutely true. I think I should stop using urinal smell as much as possible, which is why I said in the beginning of the show that I mentioned that it had a a smell that I associate with heavy astringency, which is now what I'm going to try to call it. Even though that's not really very descriptive, it's just... Yeah, because, see, to me, heavy
1: astringency would be this burnt porter type smell. That's right. what I would call heavy
0: astringency. It's it's a chemical offshoot smell that's it's somewhat similar to a kind of fruity ammonia.
1: A- I was just going to say, is it along ammonia lines? Right. So maybe ammonia and... He mentions, is it the smell of the cake they put in the urinals? So maybe it's the... No, the it's urinal. not the cake. Okay. I mean, but ammonia and a little bit of mint, like freshener? or
0: Maybe. I mean, like I say, it, it, it's a floral ammonia smell. So or at least something that, that I can kind of quantify along those lines. There are other much grosser smells you get out of a urine, all things that turn you away. There is just there is a smell that I can immediately that whenever I think about it, whenever I smell that, my mind immediately flashes to roadside, you know, truck stop. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Is he the one that also? They say that-, that smell is is the chief or, or the number one. Uh, Was the number one trigger of memory? Uh so in a way that that kind of makes sense
1: I also got an email I'm not sure if it was with Gary or someone else but he said he had grown up on a farm and is now a plumber and he took issues with both horse blanket and urinal and like I said earlier in the show I do think Greg has been too liberal with horse blanket because the only one you'll see that as a description for in style guides would be lambics and we haven't had anything as funky as a lambic lately but you've been using horse blankets several times so Uh I would I would try to curb that one if I were Yeah, remember.
0: probably. Like I said, I've been probably too liberal with it, but it is such a great descriptor.
1: <laughs> Following Guitar Gary is Tasty Bassist. This guys should get
0: together and form a band. Why don't we personally while we're reading this okay. one? Yeah, read us a Tasty Bassist. Tasty Bassist says, he loves the drinking and smelling sounds. We had a, uh, a comment on our, our website. Somebody really, really disliked the drinking and smelling sounds. I think we talked about this last show we're going to try to minimize them as much as possible because...
1: You know, one person complains that they hate them, and then like ten people on the message board say, screw you, we like it. Right. <laughs> so it's just a tightrope we have to walk.
0: In In a sense, I don't think that the show is going to suffer by a lack of... by a significant lack of drinking and smelling sounds. However, I think the show would suffer by too much of it. So right. I, I mean, I
1: cut it. out... Like, when we're taking a sip and tasting, there's a significant pause during the or sniffing that you can pick up. And I edit probably out 75% of the sniff, and you guys just hear a short little before we talk about it. So there's a lot of biological sounds <laughs> that, that, that we'd cut out. Swallowing sounds, I, you'll, you'll catch the last 10%, 20% of a swallowing sound, things like that. Uh, just to give it a little bit of ambience. But I do spend a lot of time taking out some of these sounds. It's
0: certainly better than having music in the
1: background. So the people who say that they like the, um, the sounds might change their tune if I gave them an uncut version of the show, too.
0: Maybe. He was cracking up, Tasty Basis says, that the It Is What It Is content from the Lost <laughs> Abbey show. Uh, it says, it's like Family Guy when something stops being funny and crosses over to being annoying, and you keep it up until it becomes funny again. I swear. Yeah, that was kind of what I was going for, right. was just overdo it to the point where it becomes funny again. And we had a couple really subtle throw in there that made it even better. Almost. Like I don't think written. we were ever necessarily subtle with it. I remember I laughed at every single <laughs> one, so being subtle is not okay. not my forte necessarily. Uh, Tasty Bases says, seeing as how I'm going through the back episodes, a search function would be a pretty killer way to look for specific beers or styles in the archive. Good thing we have one on the website. (laughs) It's right there on the top right-hand corner of the website. You can go through the search.
1: (laughs) He might have meant more of like a beer search database. Right. But if you search, we list all the beers in the blog post. So a search should be almost as accurate. And he mentions about doing uh, another homebrew contest, like the multi brew experiment. And I don't want to start one again until I'm sure I can actually right, do it properly. Right. So, yes, there will be. This won't be the death of the multi brew experiment. But I need to really get my ducks in a row before I
0: start. You know, pu- you know, saying we're collecting entries. This beer that we just poured is Conspiracy by Midnight Sun Brewing Company from Midnight Sun Brewing in Alaska. United States Now this is a Belgian dark ale And you can see it's extremely dark It is It's, it's unlike any other dark Belgian
1: that I've had I mean it it smells and looks Like a Schwartz beer, I'd say I say the aroma's not that far off of a Schwartz beer. Yeah it's kind of nutty and chocolatey mm-hmm. It doesn't really smell portery It doesn't smell stout it's, it's more of what you get from a Schwartz beer which-
0: And a little bit of that uh, sugary aroma See, I'm
1: not really picking up sugar If you are, that would explain Belgian That's in the beer Right? Uh, See, what I'm smelling is Hmm, how do I describe What a Schwartz beer smells like That a porter doesn't smell like Urinal No (laughs) It's not really a roast It's more of a Is it singe? Like a, a, a burnt? No it's a, there's almost a licorice
0: aroma coming from
1: this a little bit of licorice i'm I'm trying to isolate an aroma here uh, My brain's saying leathery but it's not leathery it's some kind of offshoot not that far from rawhide or like, or something like sure.
0: you know like a tanning leather or a, uh a wet suede
1: mm See that? Now I'm getting like farther away. I'm like, but like for some reason, like my brain popped into my brain. It's kind of leathery, but then when I smell it again to look for leathery. It's like not there at all. So. Is there licorice in this beer? Because. It was uh, it's a one time release from Midnight Sun, so their website didn't have anything
0: about mm-hmm. it. The label may reveal something. Let's see. No. Nope. I immediately got a, 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 like a hit of that flavor, and then it kind of went away to this. Slightly sour. um,
1: Okay, so this is actually, this is, well, the style is Belgian dark ale. They call it a Belgian black beer. So it is a sports beer that was probably brewed with Belgian Mm. yeast, maybe a little bit of other, maybe some candy sugar, even though I'm not really tasting candy sugar. Maybe some more traditionally Belgian hops instead of continental hops.
0: It's certainly heavy in the alcohol, 8.5%, you could really taste it.
1: But there's no details on this beer on their website or on the bottle, other than uh, 25 IBUs. An IBU is International Bittering Units, which we haven't talked about in quite a while. It's, a, it's an actual quantifiable amount of bitterness from the hops in the beer. For now, people who might be
0: curious about that. Midnight Sun does not have a beer called Coincidence, right? No, I don't think so. Because there is no coincidence. There is only conspiracy. Oh, huh. <laughs> So, what do you think about this beer? It's not bad it uh took me a while to kind of well, I wouldn't say a while it took me a few sips to bring myself around to understand what I was tasting right uh which is this upfront somewhat rooty... uh by Rudy i mean you know sassafras right licorice flavor, yeah. And then it kind of fades into a, a more imagine, sweet.
1: Imagine root beer without the sweetness,
0: right? Well, no, it, it, I think they're sweet at the end. Yeah, but I mean root beer
1: is tons and tons right. of cane sugar, right? Or, or, or uh, high fructose corn syrup. But imagine that kind of rootiness, and not necessarily the same thing like we had that Sam Adams hard root right. beer. Um, but think of making a, a root like a not really sassafras. Sassafras has a sweetness to it, but some
0: kind of root tea and that's kind of the flavor here. I'm a guy who really dislikes licorice, okay? I hate black licorice. It, it, it's and it, it's something that I've tried, especially, you know, being a foodie, I had to get myself into fennel, which is very mm-hmm. similar. I wouldn't say
1: I mean if anything, it's just a minor in this I beer. want
0: to point out that I like this beer, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I hate licorice. So I don't want to uh, take, have anybody who says, oh, well, that tastes like licorice, and I don't want to try it. Anybody who feels that should not necessarily be afraid of trying this beer.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if there's any licorice flavor, it's just a nuance in this beer. Right. It's mostly this, the flavor you get from the black malts, the, I don't even know what malt they use to make Schwartz beers and black beers, but it, like I said, it has a completely different flavor, taste than a porter does. It doesn't have that Huge round roastiness. Right, it's more of a little sharp, little edge of roast in there. And
0: but it has some that fennel like accent to it. it. It's it's a good beer.
1: I I never have really fallen in love with a black beer style, Schwartz beer or anything like that. So while I'm drinking it, and I'm like, it tastes good. It's just not a beer that I'm loving.
0: It's a little That's too high alcohol. It's never I a think. style that I really love. I think if this were down to maybe five or six percent. Because it's a little harsh, and I can already feel it hitting me. Mm-hmm. And I think that it would be... This beer would probably be better as closer to a session style. I think the alcohol is is pushing this too too far. Can you pick out any Belgian character in here? The more I drink it, the more... The it sweetness is, at the end is, is reminiscent of, of Belgian candy sugar, I think.
1: It's really hard to pick out a Belgian... Actually, now that I... After I said that, of course it hits me. But it wasn't in any of the flavor. It was kind of in the aromatics afterwards. Right. I'm like... A little bit of smoothness, too. It's it's kind of the... Let's see, that would be... This is a pretty smooth beer. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that the smoothness could be there. It's more of... It, it's that slightly... Estery, a little bit of sharpness from the alcohol. The the alcohol flavor could be candy sugar eskish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's where it's more sharp. You know, you get that nice bite of alcohol in it. So maybe there is candy sugar to give you that bite, and that's kind of the limits of where I'm tasting Belgian in here. Right. Uh, when I was, you know, before I uh, poured this, I was expecting a black beer or a very dark Belgian ale with lots of esters and bubblegum and fruit in there and it's really (laughs) not not that.
0: Well, Jeff, let's do a little business while we're not on the subject.
1: (laughs) So we have this DVD and we had a lot of people buy it last week. Mm -hmm. Throw Shmay into the mix and people start buying them up like hotcakes. So, what is this DVD?
0: I've been in a cave for the last two months. Well, here's the deal. All our audio from year two which I think from show 44 on, is going to be on this DVD.
1: It's a DVD-ROM. The reason it's a DVD and not a CD is because of storage space. I'd have to send out like eight CDs if we were putting on CD-ROMs. So we're using a DVD-ROM, which has our MP3s on it. you have to play it in your computer. Or if you have a a DVD player, that can play MP3s or something like that.
0: Right. So it's going to have... All of our audio, our main shows, our post-shows. It's going to have, I think, all of our notes that we have available. I have to send you my yeah, we'll have bunch to, of notes. We'll have the, well, all the notes we have available. Right. <laughs> uh, so you can see what, what we were using to, to read off some of the information that we've had. Uh, it's going to have two special shows that we've done exclusively for the DVD.
1: Yeah, one show was with when Scott Smith was here. Mm-hmm. We did a bit of a blind tasting. And then uh, the other night, Greg and I did a, another show. We did some we did some beers that you don't hear on an everyday beer show. Right. So, probably not as special as last year's, but but pretty special. And, to sweeten the pot, we have written breweries that we know, friends friends of the show, right? To ask if they would donate any swag. And so, we're going to... Everyone who buys a DVD is going to be putting a drawing, and we're going to be giving away tons of stuff. We have... Um, Actually, the new addition this week is uh, Surly Brewing Company. Surly! They sent us that. Look at that glass. Ain't that a nice... That's a cool glass. That's a hot glass. And a long sleeve t-shirt. Awesome. East End Brewing gave us a shirt. Uh, Boulevard gave us a hat, some glasses, and a shirt. Trogues gave us two shirts. Dogfish Head gave us two shirts. Flying Dog gave us a man shirt, a woman shirt, and a dog bowl, and some Panties! Panties! Uh, Brooklyn gave us uh, some brewmaster table books from Garrett Oliver, some beer school books, and those sweet Brooklyn hats. Nice. Chimay uh, messed up, and instead of sending us two sampler packs, sent us two cases of samplers, and they said it was okay to give those away. So we have... Now, listen very carefully. We are giving you the Chimay goblet in the box that it came delivered with. Anything else that was also inside that box is incidental. Right. What normally comes inside a Shemay sampler pack is the goblet, a Chimay white, red, and a blue. Mm-hmm. But we're just sending you the goblet, the sampler pack box, and everything that came to us in the sampler pack box. So, wink, wink, Wink nudge, nudge. nudge. Post-production Jeff just making a little edit here. Since we've had such a great response on the DVD sales once we announced we'd be giving away the Chimay sampler packs... I went out and picked up a case of Dogfish Head's Worldwide Stout. And we will be dividing that up and giving that away as drawing prizes as well. Get your orders in. There's only a few weeks to go. And enjoy the rest of the show. And uh, we're going to be doing the drawing on show 89. Oh boy. So get your orders in for the DVD. And around the same time as when I expect to have the DVD shipped. around show 89 when we do the drawing. Then I can ship the... Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that, because I can ship the DVD with the winner's merchandise. Okay.
0: And the DVD costs... $25. That's a... small price. The great deal of $25. Now, you say, I can download all these shows... For free. For free. And the swag is great, but I may not get it. And even if I do get it, maybe that doesn't cost me $25. What's the deal, guys? Well, we want to say that by... Purchasing the DVD, you're also helping us. You're helping support the show. You're helping us you get better Greg equipment. get Greg
1: gas money for driving. It pays for some of our beers. We did order some stuff to upgrade our equipment. We have our eyes on these really cool mic stands, that kind of like the kind of like the radio talk show guys use. So if we get enough cash, maybe we'll support... It's all
0: show. going to the show. All of it is going right back into the show.
1: Or Greg's car expenses, which is...
0: I need scum. to be here to do the show.
1: Right. Exactly. We're not... Cashing any checks to go stri- get strippers or anything like that.
0: We make cash, well. but maybe if we did, people would be like, "Yeah, you go, guys." Yeah, <laughs> maybe they'll be like, "I'm, I'm only going to give you this money if you actually get a stripper." And so, if that's the case, we will have a stripper on craft. Radio. We'll have a stripper fund
1: if we, if you guys send <laughs> us enough money, and in the PayPal note, you say this is for the stripper, and we have enough to get a stripper here to drink beer with us.
0: Nothing quite like a stripper on the radio. <laughs> Howard Stern does it all the time. That's true, so it must work. He also has a website, though, that he shows pictures and stuff like that.
1: Announcing the third Beer Geek Roundtable. The
0: third. the
1: Beer Geek Roundtable is where we hop on an internet chat conference program. We've been using Skype. But we might try something different this time. Talk shoe or well, something. Great has in my Ventrilo, and basically, it's. You hop on. We just talk about beer and and other things. It's right. it's kind of like being in a bar with us, being in a bar with friends. You know, it doesn't have to stay on topic, but you know, the other beer geek roundtables we've done have been like three hour marathons. We just have so much fun talking with these people. We share about what beers we're these drinking with you guys. Oh yeah, these people, <laughs> these people, the the minions. So we're going to set that for. September 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That's uh, GMT minus 4. Still daylight savings, then, right?
0: Maybe not. Because then they drop it back or something? Hmm. I'm
1: not sure when. I think that's not until like, much later. Like, to, it's in October, I think. But they dropped it back three weeks. Yeah, they pushed it back even farther. Right. I think it's in October. Okay. So that, it, unless our time zone is off. It'll be 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, that's GMT-4, on Monday, September 10th. If you want to participate, send an email to Beer Craft Beer Radio saying, in the subject, put BGRT, or Beer Geek Table, and I will tag them, and we'll get you more information about how to get on the thing. Tag them and bag
0: them. What's your next beer, Jeff?
1: Well, now we're getting to the realm of the Flanders Reds. Mmm. Blanders is a wonderful place in in the world It uh, They make these Sometimes spontaneously fermented beers the Other times they're pitched with yeast But they're always tart And always delicious So we have two beers Do you want to do the Sean's. Belgian one? Or do you want to do the Belgian uh, one that's made for a bar in Pennsylvania? Uh,
0: well We have gotten criticized for not necessarily featuring The Belgian example when we should So let's do the okay. Belgian one first
1: Okay this is Duchesse de Bourgogne. or Bourgogne. From Valerie I can't wait to we're done with Belgians, because <laughs> a lot of these brewers we've been doing are not on that Belgian beer pronunciation right. website.
0: Uh, you, t- you tell me how to spell it. V-E-R-H-A-E-G-H-E. It is a Flanders Red, 6.2% alcohol by volume, using reddish malts, spicy hops with low bitterness. It won the 2006 Beer Championships World Beer Championships gold medal for, I don't know, except. <laughs> Did I give you, <laughs> you part of it? A- <laughs> gold medal for something. Gold medal for
1: something. It's a blend of 8 and 18th month old ales following a careful maturation in oak casks. Serve at 47 to
0: 53 degrees Fahrenheit. We're drinking all these beers, by the way, in pine glasses.
1: Even though this one will be well suited in a snifter of some sort. Or a
0: brandy, yeah, brandy snifter or maybe a goblet mm-hmm. or something of those. nice. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. You know what? Smell. You
1: know how sometimes you catch weird aromas? I caught fried chicken. <laughs> Every once in a while you just catch these left field aromas and I caught fried chicken out of this beer.
0: Um... I don't really catch really a fatty aroma, but there is something there that's kind of like the the crispy breading. Mm. It smells. It, it to me, it smells cherry-like with a bit of Mississippi mud.
1: I don't know. I've never had Mississippi mud. What the hell? That on? No, there. I just think an actual mud in oh, Mississippi. Oh, I've never. Well, I've never been there either. Um, there's there's the vinegarness that yeah. this Flanders Red has And a lot of Flanders Reds, if you're not familiar with the style It has this vinegar type flavor to it And it's mixed in with other things to make it taste good But in um, the aroma I'm definitely getting some vinegar on this one
0: Hmm, well Down the hatch Oh That's good Wow Ooh Immediately you get a sourness, right away. Big, huge, um, kind of almost red wine it's vinegar a, sourness. And then there's a sweetness around it.
1: Yeah, it, it complements the sweet with the sour, so it's not like you're puckered.
0: Right. It's, there's a little bit of an earthy flavor in the background, which gives way to a bit of bitterness at the end.
1: There's a, a lot of fruit flavors. I'm getting cherries, grape. Uh, Strawberry. Okay, I agree. It was like a fruit salad with vinegar.
0: (laughs) Um, Watermelon?
1: Yeah. yeah. You just got to find them because it's just such a fruity flavor. And then it starts out with fruit and then it gives vinegar and then it cleans out and you just have this pleasant aftertaste that's kind of sticking in your cheeks and just like giving you something to taste. Like if I swallow now, I haven't had a drink in a minute, and if I swallow now... I'm still tasting some sour and some sweetness. Like the sweetness is like like leaking out of my cheeks right, right. now.
0: It feels like yeah, it's not like it, it's not like a direct vinegar though. It's a lot. It's, it's like a really sour citric acid flavor, which okay. is not. It's a acetic acid, but it is. Mm-hmm. And the flavor is more reminiscent, I think, of citric acid. It doesn't. It doesn't hit you with the same kind of spike that vin, like a red wine vinegar does. Okay.
1: There's only been a few true Flanders Reds I've had. Uh, Rodenbach's a big one. Mm -hmm. If you guys can find Rodenbach brand crew, you should be able to get it anywhere. It's it's delicious. I love that beer. This one we're drinking right now, again, let's try not to hack the name up, it's (laughs) Duchesse de Bourgogne. It's B-O-U-R-G-O-G-N-E. Bourgogne. Bourgogne.
0: Bourgogne. Bourgogne.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Um... I had one when I was in North Carolina last week—a Belgian Flanders red. It was really good too. It started with a V. Um, crap, I don't remember.
0: I don't think we've done what beer? Am I, what beer am I in a few months? I don't we? think so. And uh, like we, we did, a, we gave awards for our last one, but then haven't done it in a while.
1: <laughs> we actually had a beer lined up then. We got sidetracked and never gave the clues after we announced the winner. It's that kind of show. All right, so what beer am I for show 86? And we're going to start doing these more than a week apart. We're going to do two week intervals. So we might, we'll do a what beer am I today, Mm -hmm. but we won't read the answer until 88. Okay. For 87, we might do a different what beer am I, which will go to 89. I see, I see. Give people some more time. So they're not penalized for me taking a while to edit the show. Right. Particularly since I mean, we're doing
0: the show Thursday, our next show is scheduled for Monday. Yeah, exactly. So. I am a Belgian-style wit. I am my brewery's first organic beer. My name is a nickname for my brewery. I am out of this world!
1: you like so, that little inflection I, I, I put there? I love the inflection. So if you know what beer this is... Send an email to WBAI at craftbeerradio.com. Give us the beer, and you'll get entered in the drawing for a awesome pint glass from East End Brewing Company.
0: Buy a good friend a good beer. East
1: End Brewing Company is the the little microbrewery here in Pittsburgh. Scott Smith's the owner and brewer and janitor Provider and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was on our show a couple weeks ago. Great guy, and uh, he's been kind enough to... To give us a couple cases of glasses to give away for what beer am I? So send us an email. We'll uh, draw a winner and give you the pint glass. And
0: eventually, you'll get the pint glass eventually.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: i I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to get on my. On you. I'm going to have to get on my wife to get those things shipped. <laughs> Woman, ship the beer or ship the glasses. I don't care that you're pregnant. Ship those glasses. The reason
1: Heather does the shipping is because she ships for um, the Autism Awareness Organization that we do I do the website for she does all the store shipping so she has all the stamps.com stuff set up and all that stuff so it's it's easy for her to box up a glass and ship it out
0: you know Mike Vorey sent us an email he asked us for future shows how about revisiting old style shows but do the comparisons again without listening to the old show until after you've made your new comments. See how your tastes or the beers have changed. Well, I mean, we have done 86 shows, and it is an idea.
1: That that You know, I've thought several times of doing the first show over again. But I don't know if doing and We did Stout's, that for
0: 50, right? Yeah,
1: I don't know if doing Styles Double IPA and 90-Minute IPA is really worth it. But randomly picking some other shows where we don't remember the results and doing them over again, and then... You know, what might be more fun is we do the show, and then I edit them, edit them together. We're like, here's our new comments, and then I pat, pitch in the old comments if I can do it concisely. Uh-huh. That could be a fun to be a little bit of a mashup show.
0: It maybe. I mean, the thing is that beers, of course, change over time as well. We could be you could get get right, bad but, beer but I mean that or,
1: would you know if I don't mix them together, then people were on their own to go back and listen to the old show. Where I think if we give them a, a greatest hits type. Compilation of here's what we say now, here's what we said before. It'd be interesting. And
0: Well, it's something to think about, Mike. I, I don't know if I'm 100% convinced in the idea.
1: And Greg's flipping me off right now.
0: Well, I happen to, to be in a position where it looks like I am flipping him off, but here you go. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> we also had a, um, an email from someone else while we're on the same subject about retasting the beers that have been skunked and spoiled.
0: Right, which we we
1: try to do when we can, when we can fit them in. But maybe we just do a skunked beer show, a skunked you know, a skunked redo show.
0: It scares me for a whole bunch of reasons.
1: <laughs> Namely, there might still be
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, we we haven't necessarily changed all of our sources where we get beer, and uh, I think the one that brought up the one that we brought up recently was we had a question why we just did Saison's. Why didn't you do saison Dupont? Oh, well, we did it before, and it was skunked. And I had it before then, and it was skunked. And this was from two places that we can go to to get it. They're both horribly skunked. Right. And I don't know any other place where we can get it. Maybe the one over in uh, near where I work in Robinson. But mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the, um, I, I figured we would get an email like that, doing Saison's and not doing the quintessential example of the style. And it was more of a, a Saison 2, because we had done Saison DuPont the first time around. Um and also, I've had unskunked on DuPont, and it's good. But I wasn't able to go anywhere because to buy a saison DuPont, it's a long drive from here. The mm-hmm. places that carry them. So. Jeff from Grand Rapids wrote in, and uh, he he was one of the ones who was curious how we get so many skunk beers. Uh, we're just very, very unlucky. I think it's a curse.
0: And we do a lot of different beers, and... I think we're cursed. You know, I I just think that... Some beers are going to be closer to the front than other beers that we get, and mm-hmm. eventually it's inevitable.
1: Right. But, I mean, yeah, I guess. His uh, next take was the uh, Southampton... I don't believe in
0: curses, Jeff.
1: Southampton Double White. While he uh, did find it enjoyable and highly drinkable, he thought it was lacking in flavor, which, uh, when I read that, I'm like, wow, he didn't have the same beers that I had, because <laughs> up until I had that undrinkable coriander from North Country Brewing, uh-huh. I thought that was like the limit on coriander. See, uh, I,
0: I kind of felt like Southampton was overdoing it in the flavor, right? I mean, I tried it later on tap at uh, Fatheads, uh-huh. and
1: it was just a little bit too much for me. See, I thought it was enough. I thought it was like, wow, there's a new level, a new style, double white ale, right? And I thought, wow, it actually tastes good. Because if I wouldn't have had the Southampton, and I thought of double white, probably would have imagined something like the one from North Country Brewing.
0: So you're you're the baby bear, right? Jeff thought it was didn't have enough flavor. I thought it had too much flavor. You're right in the middle. You're just right. I, I thought that it it showed that you could really
1: do an imperial white ale because if I thought that, if I would have assumed it ahead of time, I would have thought, well, you put in that much coriander, it's going to taste like ass. And North Country Brewing's tasted like ass. Um, but North Southampton, I thought, you know, was right up to the limit where it, it's like, wow, that's a lot of coriander, and wow, it still tastes good. Mm-hmm. He was also a little bummed that you uh, you ruined his man crush on uh, Bear Gillis from My Man vs. Wild*,
0: which we talked about in, the, in the, one of the pre or post shows. Uh, sorry, yeah, you know, I, I only tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I say as I look both ways to see if anybody's watching me. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean. Hey, the dude fakes it a bit. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Still an enjoyable show, in my opinion.
1: Heath's the one who wrote in and told us about the, um, the Beverage Tasting Institute. Um, like wine ratings, NR stands for not recommended. Uh, I think in the pre-show last week we talked about a book from the Beverage Tasting Institute. And we didn't know if, if NR meant not rated or not reviewed or maybe it stood for not recommended. So they, they tend to not write brutif- brutally scathing reviews. They just put NR for not recommended.
0: I wish they would have go a little bit further and just, you know, if if the beer is bad, just say so. Yeah.
1: Andy Zellers has been a listener for quite a while and his mother-in-law is going to Scotland and he wanted to know what Scottish beers he should have her bring back. And it kind of stumped me because really the only Scottish yeah. beers I know are the ones that are imported. I know McEwan's and Bellhaven, which you can probably get just about anywhere in the country. Uh, so we're putting a call out to the listeners for for Andy. If you know of some good Scottish beers that are available in the most of Scotland, because I have no idea where his mother-in-law is going, uh, send us an email and we'll forward them on to Andy
0: so he can get some uh, taste of Scotland back home. Oh, oh I wanted to bring this, this message up. This is from Dr. Joel. He has a question about a reviewing process or guidelines for beer. Basically, his question boiled down to, what do you guys mean when you say drinkability, and why do you guys seem to, to put drinkability above other things, particularly when you're rating beers? I think we should go on a little bit of an explanation. We, we gave him—we did some email, both of us, with him to kind of explain how we were going with it. The feeling is that drinkability is one of many factors, right? right. And to us, at least how we approach it—well, I can only speak for myself, really, but you know, talking to Jeff, I think we kind of share the same opinion— Drinkability relates to something close to smoothness and essentially how easy it is for the beer to go down, particularly in a gulping fashion. Drinkability is not necessarily how you would want to rate a beer. Uh, Some beers you don't want to rate by the drinkability. For instance, um, well, a Flanders Red. I don't think you want to have a particularly drinkable Flanders Red. Right, exactly. Now, he mentioned how... I guess
1: sometimes it sounds like we rank we give drinkability a really high stock when we're ordering the beers when we're ranking the beers, and I think that it's more so when other things are tied, the more drinkable beer wins right. and a lot of times we got beers that are just good beers, and we liked them both, so the one that we found more drinkable is the one we put higher
0: uh. Also I mean when we do that drinkability rating it's very often when we have beers of the same exact style. Right. So when we're comparing styles drinkability comes much more well, that's into That's a great
1: point. If we were comparing uh, American IPA, a brown ale and a Flanders red well you know the the IPA or the brown ale is going to be the most drinkable, but I'm going to put the Flanders red above the other Probably. ones just cuz I really like the style. I mean uh, if we're drinking this Duchesse uh, de Bourgeon, versus um, the Mad River we had in the pre-show, which is a double IPA, or...
0: Conspiracy, I mean, it would seem to be more drinkable than, than say, the, the Duchess.
1: But Duchess kicks its butt.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the point is not the drinkability is the end-all, be-all. Far from it. But if we had to, if it comes down to drinkability between two beers... If that's the factor, that's the deciding factor, well, I mean, drinkability is going to win. And
1: there's a trade-off. If the the flavor profile, if we don't like one quite as much as the other, but if it's close enough that the the one that we don't like as much is much more drinkable, the overall impression of how we enjoyed the beer is, well, it was good because we got through the whole thing. We enjoyed drinking the beer. Right. And that's drinkability, when you enjoy
0: drinking the beer, I guess. I think we probably worded it better in our emails to Dr. Joel, yeah, but probably. You get the idea. So, our final beer in the night, we should finally go on to our very last Flemish red because we've done email for a while. Yeah. We had a bunch this week and had yeah. good stuff too. Uh-huh. We always appreciate getting mail, send it to beercrappyradio.com. We will uh that was craft, not crap beer radio. <laughs> We always appreciate getting. We always appreciate getting mail. Send it to beer at craftbeerradio.com. We will hopefully get your email on the air. Monks Flemish, monks Flemish sour red ales. Our final beer of the night. This is from Brewery Van Steenberge in Belgium. It's brewed for
1: Monks Cafe in Philadelphia. By Van Steenberge, the the Brouwery Van Steenberge does uh, Perat Golden Drock, and also it looks like the Cello beers in Belgium, the Cello Pale Bock, White,
0: things like that. This is a Flanders Albrun, not red. Okay,
1: so we have a, a an old brown instead of a Flanders red, but still Flemish yeah, beer. It's still another
0: eat. sour beer, has uh, bread and ice, bread and in it.
1: Okay, so this one has a lot less fruit, mm. more tart. Yeah. The aroma on it's very subtle compared to the other one. The other one had a great aroma.
0: This one, you're not really... No, this one actually has a a, a more kind of expressive, sort of chocolatey, woody aroma to it, to me. Okay, some woody. I'm
1: not picking up nearly as much vinegar. I'm not picking up as much sweetness off it. To me, comparing the two beers, this one's a lot harder to find the aroma. The flavor
0: is considerably more sour, I think. More on the... uh, more to the vinegar side, with a bit of that woodiness in there, too. This beer was sent to us by listener Jamie, Jamie Barlow. Thank you very Thanks, much. Jimmy. Wow. I like sour beers. Oh, I love sour beers, too. They're really good. And it's, it, it's an acquired taste, to be sure. This is not something that you would recommend to everybody. You know, you would think that. Every time I take, like
1: when I go traveling with work, we always take people from different offices out to a good beer bar and i usually finish up the night with a flanders red or a Lambique or something and uh, more often than not like everyone i'm with they love the flanders reds the old brooms, things like that hmm. they just they just appreciate the fla- you know the complex flavors i guess you know some of them are wine drinkers some of them are just normal people but i haven't had a person yet who hasn't liked like the rodenbach or other flanders red
0: well i think acidity is a pleasing flavor I think it goes.
1: It shocks me because I thought it'd be very. I thought it'd be at least fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. But I've been, I'm betting at a hundred percent on people who like these Flanders beers.
0: You know what this reminds me of? Remember several episodes ago, probably down in the sixties, we did a news report about some people that had a study where they spiked a beer with balsamic vinegar. Oh, okay, yeah. And they found that if they didn't, if people didn't know that it was spiked they'd like the balsamic vinegar beer. As soon as they knew it was spiked, they didn't like the balsamic vinegar beer. Right. And we were saying, well, balsamic vinegar, I mean, acetic acid is a good flavor in beers. It doesn't surprise us at all that people would like that. <laughs> right, right. Particularly since we don't know what beer they were spiking and we assumed it was going to be some sort of cheapo right. American lager. Now, so when you say that, when you say that you have, you've introduced people to, this, to these sour beers and they've all liked it,
1: it shocked me, because I would have expected the opposite. I was expecting people to like the beers all night, and then, here's one last one to try. You're probably not going to love it, but I've 15 people I've given this beer to, and they've all, none of them, and they're not just blowing smoke. They're, right. They all like the beer, and uh, it, it's just a trend that's starting to shock me. A oh, last email,
0: Brian wants to know. He listens to this show and loves what we do. Well, that's great. Thanks, Brian. But he wants to know if there's a similar show devoted to whiskey. Do you guys know of the good internet radio shows or podcasts devoted to bourbon? Or bourbon focused with other whiskey thrown in? I love whiskey and bourbon in particular. A quick Google, of the topic shows a huge list. Do you, or maybe a listener, could chime in have any that you favor? I'm not a hard liquor fan myself.
1: Yeah, I, I emailed Brian back. I'm like, I have no clue on my own what good... Bourbon mm. podcasts or whiskey podcasts, but we said we'd uh, give it out to the fans. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who also like the bourbon. I've um, dabbled a little bit. I, I've uh, tried some good bourbons, neat, you know, just to try. Really? And it's just so powerful that it's just oh, alcohol. And I wasn't able to appreciate it like I thought I would. I've considered watering it down a little bit to see if I can really enjoy the flavors without getting punched in the face. But then I've been told that's not really the way you want to taste bourbon. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what to
0: do. Uh, Well, we always say there's a beer for everybody. Mm -hmm. Do you think there is a spirit for everybody?
1: I don't know. I'm not like, you know, I know my beers. I'm kind of a neophyte when it comes to to other spirits. Uh, Actually, it wasn't a bourbon. It was a scotch that I ordered. And I'm like, people always talk about scotches. I want to try scotches. I ordered a scotch neat. Was that like the
0: Glenlivet or something?
1: I'm not sure who it was. I actually ordered it when I was in India. We were at the one restaurant. (laughs) It was a Scottish... It was from Scotland. It was a a 15-year-old whatever. It was either Glenlivet or... I'm not sure. Glenlivet. Glenlivet. Um, But, you know, I drank it. I tried to enjoy it, but it
0: was just so so potent. A friend Shane gave me a glass once in one. He said, this is the stuff. And I couldn't put it down. It's just, there was something too, it was too far. It was too much. I haven't tried it in a while, so I don't really remember what it was like. But, you know, I don't like, and I'm not trying to insult you, Brian, for your liking. I mean, people like what they like. Hard out, hard liquor is one of those things that I just never was really able to get around to, particularly after I had a bad experience with tequila. They can't drink <laughs> tequila anymore. I can drink vodka, but vodka is basically grain alcohol and water.
1: Right. So, I mean, back to the topic of the subject is, if you know a good bourbon or whiskey podcast, send it an email, or even better yet, post it on the message boards so everyone can see. What was the other feedback? Oh, the Scottish beers. Post it on the message boards, too. And we'll have Andy
0: check out the message boards. Indeed. So you ready to rank? In a weird kind of how can you rank show?
1: I'm still enjoying this Monk's Cafe Flemish Sour Ale. It's really good. It's it's a lot more tart than the Duchess. Duchess has tons of sweetness and fruit in it. But they're they're both good. And I don't know how I'm gonna rank one over the other.
0: All right, well, let me start then. Number four, I had to go with the Petrus. Um, I really liked the Out Brown, actually. I mm-hmm. didn't really have that to test. But uh, there was just something kind of earthy that I wasn't really a big fan of. Right. You know. Uh, number three, The Conspiracy. It was, it was better than the Petrus, but it wasn't nearly as good as the other two, I think. I mean, these other two are spectacular, awesome beers that are really playing to, you know... Yeah. They're playing to me, so it's like... Yeah, they're like Sour Patch Kids. That are good. I mean, it, it, it's like if I had to rank... Uh, Imagine if we
1: did a show on Flanders Reds and had to rank like <laughs> these two, and then Rodenbach and some other one. I don't know how we'd do
0: it. I mean, I, I don't want to apply that Conspiracy is a bad beer or that a Conspiracy isn't really good for its style. It's just that no. these two are, I mean, they're playing to what I like. Right. They're, they're playing my song. So how am I going to possibly right. not throw them in front? So, so which one you get, do you like better? Oh, wow. I think because I'm having this now, right. I'm enjoying the monks more. <laughs> I, I think I like the monks more, too.
1: It's, it's just a little more... There's not as much different flavors, but the, the tartness is more immersive, right? And I, I like them both. I mean, they're right beside each other. The fruity accompaniment in the Duchesse is lovely. It's it's a great beer. Where it's funny because the the monks cafe is more unidimensional. It's more one dimensional than the Duchesse, which has two or three dimensions going on. But I still think
0: I like the monks better. If I would have had the duchess after the monks, I might like the duchess. D- D- duchess the sweetness, more. the sweetness was a little bit,
1: just barely cloying or syrupy. I
0: didn't. No, I didn't was, feel that. way. The sweetness way. was just a little bit. I did feel a that there empowering. was slightly more kind of bitterness and maybe a tiniest hint of a little bit of funk in mm. the duchess that's not there at all in the monks. Okay,
1: I'm gonna follow up Greg's ranking the same way the uh, conspiracy was nice and clean and nothing wrong with it it's a black beer so i i didn't love it um the petrus was a decent golden ale belgian golden wasn't much special about it uh and there was some weird aromas at the beginning greg first thought he smelled skunk and then he thought he smelled some some sulfur type aromas i think is what you said Astringency in, in different yeah, ways.
0: sulfur is a better way to put it or
1: And and I got more of uh I thought I had some bad phenols at first, maybe a little bit of an infection or band-aid, but it went away and I couldn't find it anymore. Uh the top two. I think I like the straight ahead tartness of the monks better than the Duchess Wonder Even though I love them both. We're getting there. I went through the cellar, I didn't have as many Belgians laying around as I thought. So we're we're getting towards the end of the Belgian stuff. Next week we're going to be uh, doing an interview with Julia Hertz from the, the Brewers Association, and she's going to pick up some of the new Belgiums that we got. So we're going to be drinking some new Belgians and talking to Julia. Oh, great! You know, from there we're going to be doing some stuff and, and
0: drinking some beer. Doing the stuff,
1: exactly. Doing some stuff. So we got our DVD. Thank you for listening to the show. We love our listeners. Uh, hope you, hopefully you like the Monk's Cafe as much as we did
0: Yeah, give it a shot if you can get it, take your hands on it Because uh, we think you'll enjoy it And if Jeff's experiment no. is any indicator Then most of you will probably enjoy it Now I'm curious
1: where Jamie got it Because uh, Monk's Cafe is in Philadelphia And you assume a beer brewed for Monk's Cafe by a Belgian brewery Would only be available at the cafe But I'm drawing a blank on where Jamie lives But it's not between us and Philadelphia it's it's westerly of us so
0: i'm not sure how he Jamie got has that. connections you see he must he must thank you Jamie all right we'll talk to you guys uh, next week and you know party on whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's all for craft beer radio Send us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com or check out our website, craftbeerradio.com, for forums and more information. Our music, opening and closing, were Out of Towners by the band St. Dragon, available from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is licensed under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Party on it.